Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, guys, welcome back to another episode of Teams at Brighton. And it is the last episode of the season, ladies and gentlemen. And what a season it has been. It's been one to remember for sure, Richie, for oh so many reasons. But look, we'll talk about the season as a whole later on. And of course, who to look forward to seeing in Europa League. Let's talk about the Villa match because uh, interesting match for sure, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes, uh, I think there are several main takeaways. Uh, before the game, I was uh, a bit surprised at the lineup. Six changes for Brighton. Um, obviously, you know, he did have to ring the change because he played so many games, but young uh, Yasna Yari was given his Premier League debut. Um, Dunk once again, uh, not in the starting lineup. Bundav uh, in the team. No Caicedo, no Matoma. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting lineups, and also the the marathon man, no Estupinian, finally given a, a well earned rest for a bit before coming on in the second half. Um, so yeah, I was thinking mm, this midfield could be a little bit lightweight, and I think it proved to be sadly. Um, the crowd was really, really up for it. I instantly got Newcastle away and Nottingham Forest vibes. I was thinking, oh, God, this is going to be a day where Brighton are just not quite at their best and the crowd are going to roll them home. And it looked like that was going to be the case when they went 2-0 down. Um, and then finally, the referee, David Coop, had an appalling game. Um, so, yes, as you said off air, Tom, you know, um, thank God that there was nothing riding on this game for Brighton because it really could have gone horribly wrong, uh, especially with Tottenham and obviously uh, Aston Villa winning. So uh, in the end, it was just a day where I think the feeling amongst most fans would have been, oh, well, we've come sick. Doesn't matter. Good day out. An amazing season. Um, not at our best today. Still had chances to to at least get something from the game, the, the amount of chances we created. Um, the officiating in the Premier League just needs to get better. I just it's one of those things where you go, um, you know, for example, Championship players don't don't play in the Premier League sometimes because they're not good enough. But there's there's not that sort of a hierarchy with referees in terms of quality. I don't well, there might be in terms of championship referees, but it feels that there are so many championship referees or League One referees. There are not really top tier um officials, unfortunately. So 
despite you know Howard Webb's efforts to to have you know be more proactive and accountable and transparent, I think the the sort of the quality of the stock that they have isn't great. Um, so, yes, what about you, Tom? Yeah, it was an interesting one, wasn't it? It's, it's safe to say that the referee David Coote was probably a little bit influenced by the crowd, shall we say? And look, Villa Park is a very intimidating crowd. If you've got them on your back, you're going to be in for a very difficult ninety minutes. But there were times where you just felt Coot tried to he tried to do a lot of nothing and then found a lot on, on nothing. He couldn't he couldn't find the the right fouls and he whistled at the wrong time. He played advantage at the wrong time. That the balls, but the ball continue and all that kind of stuff. It, it just didn't seem like as if he had full control in the game. And you could see from Gross, he was frustrated. McAllister got a few tasty challenges in him and he was getting annoyed. Um, you got just a, a frustrated Brighton side in that match. And God knows what would have happened if there was something at stake for us. But I think I think I speak for a lot of Brighton fans on the day and that they were hoping for Villa to win. And... Speaking to a few fair few fans, they said we want we want Villa to win today. We want Villa to go to Europe because we don't want Spurs to. <laughs> still, we've got a lot of Brighton fans who are still very, very, very bitter from that VAR shambles of a performance at the Spurs Stadium. And you know, Villa were up for it from the word go. They, I think, they were definitely the better side for best part of seventy minutes, and then towards the end, they knew that they didn't have to worry too much and just pass really for around. that long i didn't think it was that clear cut i think it was i for me i think it was i think in terms of who's got the clear cut chances it was definitely villa they i think they tested our goalkeeper more than we tested um emmy martinez i thought that, that i thought they had essence of, of control if you can understand what unai emery is all about in terms of time wasting and cutting the chances when they can even when we had quite a fair bit of the ball it just didn't seem we had that same motion that we used to under the Zerbi and I think that's down to Emery's tactics off the ball as well he's very very good at that and it's always so underappreciated by opposition managers and I think that's why it's worked a treat for Villa this season because of how Emery sets his side up off the ball when they're defending and it's difficult to read it's difficult to approach because he adapts it so well and I really did think that we we just did we just didn't have that kind of sense of control that we're used to in the in the game but I'll take it we'll take it as it is because we didn't we didn't need to win we didn't need a result we we win sixth we lose sixth draw sixth we had nothing to play for, but can't complain. I was quite pleased to see Yasin Yari play. I wouldn't say he had the best of full debuts. Um, you could definitely get a sense of that because he came off at half time, but I think it was very much a welcome to the Premier League moment for him, and he'll just take take the positives, as someone used to say, and then just uh, move on from there and improve because I think he looks like a good little baller. To for the future, and he, I'm sure he's going to get plenty of opportunities. But what broke my heart at the end of it was McAllister. He was absolutely in bits when they all came to us in the crowd. Deserby's just got his arm around him, just pointing to him, so all singing McAllister's name. But it was great fun. 
I, I, I really enjoyed it. And then afterwards, going out for grounds, just loads of Villa fans just coming up to us, just jumping up and down. We're all going on a European tour. It was great. Grown men just hugging each other over just the like the, the slightest thing in the sport. It was great. Loved it. Yeah, there was a yeah certainly um, a whole sort of cavalcade of emotions at full time. Obviously, um, yeah. The, the obviously we've spoken about the game itself, but. McCaster might have grabbed the headlines overall. Obviously, he was seen crying his eyes out at the full-time whistle <clears throat> in what looked like an apparent goodbye. Um, <clears throat> sorry, got a frog in my throat. Um, yeah, so he, he could be seen being consoled by Lewis Dunk. You know, Deserbi was sort of pointing to him, I think saying, you know, give him all the acclaim and the praise. Um you know, Brighton's World Cup winner. You don't say that very often. Um, so it did look like it could be a goodbye. Um, just going to refer to some comments that Deserby said after the match. Um, in typical honest fashion, uh, he says, I think it can be the last game of Alexis McAllister and Moises Caicedo. I am really sorry because they are two great people and two great players. But the policy of Brighton is like this, and we have to accept. I think it is right that they can leave, they can change teams, and they can play at a higher level. We are ready, I think. We have to find other big players to play without Alexis and Moises. So that does seem as if they could be off both of them, which would be a humongous loss for Brighton. Uh, that, I, I think, you know, of all the sort of success that Brighton have had over the years in the transfer market, recently i think this might be the toughest test of all finding a way to replace both of them i think personally i, I believe that mccaster is easier to replace uh i say for me that's a real tough tough task because when brighton had basuma i don't think many would have thought that i said it would have been even better when he was signed initially and then was, you know, not playing at Brighton, then was shipped out on loan to Beershot. But then somehow Casella has become probably a, a more well-rounded player than Basuba, which is, you know, fantastic credit to him. But is there another replacement in the building for him? Or do they have to go big? It's an interesting one. So I think, I think Brighton could find a way to replace McAllister. Fantastic player though he is. I think it will be a real, real... Um, they, they, their credentials will really, really be tested if they want to to keep, you know, performing so well and um, and find a way to replace McAllister. Sorry, can I say that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think... Moises Caicedo is an absolute Rolls Royce of a midfielder. He's just so good... He's such a good ball-winning midfielder where he rarely puts a foot wrong and he's great on the ball as well, which is an added bonus, especially that high level when you look for ball-winning midfielders. They are destined for bigger and better things. I'm still secretly hoping we could keep at least one of them, particularly McAllister. I like to think that because Liverpool have got Europa League, that I think he would just... We could, we could just be like, look, just enjoy it for one season. Enjoy it, enjoy it for one more. We, we've we got here. Enjoy the fruits of your labour here. 
and then go off to Champions League football with Liverpool because they're guaranteed they're, they'll be top four next season, no doubt in my mind. But having said that, you, you're going to be in for brand new projects, chasing Champions League football. Yeah, you've got European football, but you're going to be part of the next phase in Jurgen Klopp's time at Liverpool. There's a lot there that's very, very promising. And I, it's going to be hard to keep both McAllister and Caicedo. I hope it's a little bit of mind games from Deserby to hopefully do some reverse ecology to keep them both. But I mean, that's wishful thinking, really. So it will be interesting to see what we do to replace them. It was interesting to hear about Deserby's comments after the game as well, saying we're not ready for football three times a week. So that to me tells me that we're going to be quite busy in the transfer market. We've already got João Pedro in. Talks of James Milner coming in as well. It will definitely be beneficial for us. So there are... Yeah, I keep on forgetting about him as well. Um, The Dortmund lad. So, you know, we we are... Yeah. We're, we're, we're moving we're moving about in a transfer market which is great to see and I think that's kind of us covering our our losses as well in January when in hindsight we probably should have recruited a little bit more uh deserve we all know he wasn't happy with the Albion's transfer activities in January and it could have been a completely different story at the end of the season fortunately it's not. So I'm hoping that we can actually really move on forward and really recruit quickly and all of them get a full pre-season in their head. So they all gel very quickly for when the season starts because come September, uh, it's going to be it's going to be very, very busy for us, for sure. Yes. And um, one, I guess, just to push back on the point that you made there, I guess... Um, you could say that, you know, maybe they should have strengthened, but Brighton still came sixth. I mean, that's an unbelievable achievement. I guess if you're being even more um, last half empty, you could say, yeah, we could have strengthened. It could have been a top four. Um, but, yeah, the, the achievement from the team is it's just been unbelievable. Uh, I saw in uh, Tony Bloom's... Uh, annual review that he said this is the best football that the club has ever played uh, and I don't think you know any would argue just the amount of plaudits coming the way of Deserby for the way he sets Brighton up you know Guardiola Klopp the names the list goes on in terms of um sort of admiration coming Brighton's way um but yeah I mean it's it's just yeah it's just a fantastic season um but looking ahead to next season, Tom, you've done a, a little bit of planning ahead or looking ahead as to who uh, Brighton could face on Europe. Do you want to just run through the potential opponents? Yeah, we've got we've got quite a lot to go through here. Obviously, um, some of these teams we might not be able to face because they might be in the same pot as us in the group stages. And also some of them got to deal with a qualifying rounds before going into the group stage draw. There's still quite a fair bit to play for, and just just going through the the dates here. Unless something happens over in Scotland, um, in the fact that Inverness, Caledonian Thistle shock Celtic to whip, to lift the Scottish Cup, we will be seeing Aberdeen in Europa League next season. 
Um, in the qualifying rounds, it's amazing to see that Ajax, who were finalists not that long ago, semi-finalists in the Champions League um, sooner than that, are in the qualifying rounds of the Europa League. They they haven't had the best of seasons. Um, Alfred Schroeder wasn't a great successor to Eric Ten Hag. John Heighton, they're full of promise, but fell off the bandwagon a little bit towards the end of it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Ajax fare in Europa League. One team that's confirmed in League 1 is Marseille on league merit. We also have Toulouse uh, to consider as well uh, after they won the uh, uh, Coupe de France. Serie A is going to be an interesting one. Two places up for grabs. And it's between Atalanta, Roma and Juventus in the last game of the season. And Atalanta, big rivals to Brescia, where Deserbi's from, and he hates Atlanta, so that could be an interesting one. So that that I mean, there's a great twist there already. Like you could just imagine how how much he'll be really up for that if we get if we get yeah. them in our in our draw. Um, and the side incoming if we score. <laughs> exactly. Uh, looking over over to Spain, uh, Real Betis. And Villarreal have qualified in Ligue 1 in, on their league positions. Villarreal, I mean, is a great one if you're a fan of Benidorm. So, Brian, Brian taking <laughs> over Benidorm and then making the short trip down to the Yellow Submarine on the Thursday night. Why not? Why not? Um, Real Batiste is probably more of a more frequent place in Spain, shall we say. Uh, again, another great choice. Uh, that, next door to Spain in Portugal, Sporting, Sporting CP. Uh, we've got the chance there, so potential trip to beautiful Lisbon uh, too. Again, the blue and white taking over there, they might get a bit confused thinking we're Porto fans, but let's hope not. And then we've got, I mean, there, there's a fair few other places we go for. Uh, Freiburg in the Bundesliga as well after the absolute drama in the Bundesliga in the last game of the season last weekend where Munich scrapes through and God knows how that happened. Uh, Austria done in the playoff rounds. Lask um, in Serbia. We have uh, Lask, but not least. Yay! There we go. Um, Serbia is. I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation, but it's uh, Chukaricki who finished third in the Serbian league. We've got Antwerp as well in Belgium, but they could still reach the Champions League, I think, if they finish second. Um, in their respective league. I don't think that's the case for them, though, because I tell a lie. Yes, they can, because they're tied with uh, none other than Tony Bloom's uh, Royal Union Saint-Gerard. So they're level on points with each other going into the last game of the season. Um, be very interesting to see what happens next there. That will be decided on Sunday. Yes, Sunday. So Antwerp will go there. So probably be Genk if unless Genk be unless Genk be Antwerp and USG beat Club Rouge, we'll be welcoming Antwerp into um Europa League. So there's a lot of pretty fairly big names in this. Mm. Big big names. Um of course as well. We might be welcoming another Italian side, uh, Fiorentina, playing West Ham United next week in the Conference League final. It'd be interesting to see if uh, another Italian side can win that one or if it's going to be West Ham that will be joining us um, in Europa League. Again, be hilarious to see 
West Ham there, considering the fact they haven't had the best of seasons, really. And they've been flirting with relegation more than they have done with Europa League spots in the league. And you've got plenty more on offer here. We've got further down, third third qualifying round, you've got Olympiakos, you've got Slavia Prague. So I'm sure many Brighton fans will be praying for a trip to Greece and a trip to Prague as well uh, for all their glory. Um, exciting times, exciting times. I know that there's someone on Reddit who put up a hypothetical pot of all the teams as well. Um, again, PSV Eindhoven could potentially drop down. We've got Champions League spots um, from the third qualifying round dropping down to the uh, Europa League group stages. So there's plenty there at our disposal where we could be facing really strong teams. Uh, and I'm loving every minute of it. Can't wait for it. First of September is the group stage draw. So be sure to bookmark that, book it off so that you could book all the hypothetical flights that you can possibly imagine. I don't know when the fixtures are out. I assume it's like the day after or some point next, the following week, because it's got to be a quick turnaround. Because the first, the first group stage game is 20 days after the group stage draw. So there's no messing about when it comes to looking for the cheap deals to fly out to X, Y, Z. So see what happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of those names. Who, who are the, who are the? Just, I guess, if you got, you know, who, who's the? What's your ideal dream group? There, just look at the, maybe the biggest, best locations. Oh, okay. Well, let's base let's base it on um, <laughs> someone on Reddit uh, put forward the uh, hypothetical projected pots. And if you see it, you, you see it on Reddit. We'll put it on the post on, on the on the YouTube channel as well, um, just for you to get an understanding of where where I'm coming from with this. Uh, obviously, in this, because of our coefficient being so low, we would be in pot three. So from pot one, you could have the likes of um, Roma and Ajax coming into this, Villarreal too. So. Pick those three out, and then just potentially... Leverkusen as well. Don't don't Brighton and Leverkusen have an interesting link? Yes, but Leverkusen haven't got promotion to uh, didn't qualify. It's Freiburg. There you go. They do, and it would have been. I think that would have been fantastic. Uh, the the relationship that Brighton fans and Leverkusen fans have uh, is one that I really really like. But sadly. Um, Leverkusen finished sixth. So they're in the conference league for next season. Um, that was more or less secured a couple of weeks ago. They just haven't been on the great run at the moment towards the end of it. So it'll be interesting to see what Xabi Alonso does next season. Um, looking ahead to all the other games that we could have. Um, again, potentially looking at Atalanta, potentially oh, a trip to Rome or Turin. And that will probably most likely be in either put one or two. I think our, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I, I don't know who I fancy. I just fancy all of them. I fancy taking them all on. We'll take them all on. We'll, we'll just create our own super league. That's what I reckon we should do. Just host it at the Amex and then have home advantage and then just win it all. But let, there's some ridiculous names in here, like Karabag potentially in Azerbaijan, who, fa- who fancies a trip to Baku, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
big trips to Astana in Kazakhstan, perhaps, or go to uh, Maccabee Haifa in Israel. Um, there are potential to go to Ukraine or um, again, face Freiburg in Germany. We've got Sheriff Tiraspol over in Macedonia. Mo Monaco, no, Monaco can't do it. Um, Franzaros in Hungary as well. So there's plenty of European trips out, I suppose. I think you're going to have to ask me when the seat seasons are over everywhere else for me to get a better understanding on who we could face and what's the dream draw. Yes, well, definitely, um, definitely exciting times. Um, looking a little bit further ahead, um, obviously, Brighton have a, a massive summer uh in store potentially with you know McCaster and Kaiser leaving. Just want to ask Tom, do you think Brighton need to strengthen basically in every single position? Because just quickly, you know, it's uncertain about Sanchez. Um Lamptey's obviously been injured quite a lot of right back. So I guess if, if he stays fit then him and Veltman can rotate. But Estupinian played a, a crazy amount of games, had no breaks. And I think they need to strengthen left back. Levi Cole, don't know what's going to happen to him. And for me, Cole has actually overtaken Webster in the pecking order. Uh, I think he's, his performances are just better at the moment. Um, so I think they need more strength and depth at centre-back. Obviously, midfield, with, if McAllister and Caicedo go. Um, potentially, even up front. I mean, it's interesting to see what happens with some of the low-knee guys. Um, you got, obviously, Simon Dingri, you got Steven Alzate. You got um, Zakiri, Abdul Sima. This is a, a huge summer for Brighton, is it not? It is. It is. And that, absolutely. And I know we touched on this in the previous episode about the loan players. J just to give you a run through of what we've got here, according to the transfer marks, I'm pretty sure there's a couple of players we've also missed out here, and probably because they consider them as under 21s. So you've got Kasper Kozlovski, um, who is in Eredivisie at the moment with um, Vitesse, 19 year old. Very, very highly thought of Polish midfielder. I think he's got a, a chance to maybe stake a claim in the preseason. Abdalasima, he's been so unlucky with injuries and playing for a team like Angus uh, in Ligon, who were just well, they, they were just dead certs to go down, and they have they haven't had really a season to remember. And I don't think Sima wants to look fondly at the season just gone. But then you've got Simon Odingra, who has been sensational for USG. 21 years old. He's keen to just really push on. Ivory Coast winger. He's got he, he's got bags of talent. And I think he's be, he'd be someone that can really compete with Matoma on that left wing and adds depth there as well. Uh, Aaron Connolly. No, just just no. Um, I think being in, in that championship outfit and really just he it, i think he's had his chance and it just hasn't worked out for him and i think it'll be a good time for him to just go somewhere if that's going to be a case of going back out on loan and just run the contract down so be it and i mean steven alzate i'm a big alzate fan i think he's great i think he's a really really good central midfielder but he's enjoyed his time at Stanford liege and i think they've made it no secret that they want to keep him whether I can't remember if there if it was a loan to buy, um, but it'd be interesting to see what happens in the preseason. I would like to see him have the chance to work under Deserby. I think if Azetti was in the squad when Deserby was here, 
I think we'll be see, talking about a very different Alzate. I think he's one that he can definitely be putting an arm around him and showing him his belief in the same way that he has done with Sully March. Uh, Michael Kabovnik, the left-back, who then said that he's a central midfielder. Um, he was on loan at Fortuna Dusseldorf. No, again, someone that I think isn't going to fit the model for us. So I think he's going to be someone that just needs to be put to the side. Uh, centre-back Hayden Roberts, um, he's full of promise. His contract does expire this summer, I believe. Just, well, just well, to well, add, just a bit of news on that. So he basically um, took to uh, social media this week um, and he said, and I quote, thank you for everything over the last eight years. I'm looking forward to what God has next for me. So he's essentially said goodbye to Brighton, um, the Brighton-born defender, 21 years old, uh, spent this season on loan at Derby County and then a couple of seasons ago was at Rochdale. Um, it's a shame because he is in the past has sort of said he wanted to play hundreds of games for Brighton, but I, I think we spoke about it before how the trajectory of some of the youth players and younger players has now been um, it's been left behind by how rapid Brighton's rise is and unfortunately He's, I think, one of those victims. So, um, yeah, I think he only played maybe a dozen or so games. Sad that he um, didn't kick on after he probably showed, I think he showed a lot of promise. You know, there's a lot of excitement about him when he played as an 18-year-old back in 2019 in the Carabao Cup. Um, But, you know, didn't make a FA Cup or or Premier League uh, appearance for for Brighton. I think it was one the Carabao Cup. So, I guess we all wish him well. Um, Sad that uh, Brighton... The local lad couldn't make it, but you know, the standards are so high at Brighton these days. Absolutely. Um, and look, we've got a couple of other loanings to go for. Is there uh, Kel Sherpin? Again, I don't think he's got himself a bit of a future at the club. It'd be interesting to see what happens, but again, he he got shipped over to Vitesse, and again, I don't think it really works out well for him over there either. One player that I do think might be an interesting one is Andy Zakiri. Now, he could play on the wings. He could play up front. But with Danny Welbeck, Dennis Sundav, and now Evan Ferguson and Joel Pedro in the mix, will Zakiri be keen to keep him there as a rotation player? Basel have got that option to make that loan a permanent deal. He he is he's done well at Basel. He's been a big contributor to their run in Europa Conference League. He's performed in Europe. He's performed in the big matches in the Swiss Pro League. Maybe he's just found his feet out there. Personally, I would love to see him play. There was a couple of times where I just thought the glimpses that we saw with him under Potter, he would be a good fit for the future and just needs build up and get the confidence in. He comes in with European experience, so he knows what it's like, the demands to play three times a week. So I think that that's something that can really help our players who have just who are just about to do it for the first time in their careers and just get a bit of an understanding and what it's like for him when he was over at over in Switzerland but at the same time would he want just to play first team football now does he feel like he's found his level does he want to push on and just take that risk for one more season he he does have a year left according to transfer marks so it will be interesting to see what happens but yeah like and like you say Really, shame about Hayden Roberts, but like you say, like the trajectory of the club is going versus 
where these youth players are going, there's always going to be those harsh, harsh decisions that is going to be, thanks for everything, lad. Wasn't meant to be. All the best. It, it, it is what it is, sadly. Yes. Uh, switching up a bit, Tom. Um, Brighton's player of the season. Now, this is a tough question because there are, in previous years, I don't know if there were so many players who had, you know, you could make a good case for, you know, for any of them. Um, for me, like, you know, there's, you could say Lewis Dunk is up there. Uh, you could say Pervis Stupinian is up there. You could say Solly March. You could say McAllister. You could say Gross. Uh, you could say Caicedo. I mean, there's a lot of players there. Um, I know I've kind of put you on the spot here. Can you can you name? Should we go? Do you want to go for a top three, or do you want to just go for an outright one? I'm going to go for the outright one, and I'm going to say it's Solly March. I think what how how he's turned himself around this season, and I've always said this. I think I've said this about five times in this podcast. The thing with with um, Solly March that stood out for me was a quote from Glenn Murray when he was at the Albion where he said, Solly March is the most frustrating player I've played with because what he does in the training pitch is frightening, but he doesn't translate it onto the football pitch on the Saturday. And he's repeated that a couple of times, actually, for BBC Sport. And now you actually see what he is capable of this season. And I don't even think we've actually seen the peak Solly March yet because Deserby's just pushing him more and more and more. He's got a brand new contract this season. He fully deserves it. You could tell that Deserby absolutely loves him. I mean, him just walking into the office and just singing his name, it's just one, it's just hilarious. And two, just shows how much Deserby gets it as well. Uh, and I'd be really, really excited to see what Solly March does the following season. Um, second place for me would be Pascal Gross, just for just the pure rose tinted glasses that I wear because I, lo- I just love that, that beautiful German. Um, you know, he's nicknamed De Kaiser for, for a reason. He's, he's been such a good leader in that midfield. And he is an attacking, he's an attacking minded midfielder. He creates so many chances. Um, and outside the top, the traditional top six, um, it, his stats are better than anyone else's. But he also comes in at right back. He's also filled in at left back. He's tried to, he's worked really well as a vice captain. He's kind of, he gets the club as well. He kind of knows where the next level needs to be and he pushes himself. And I mean, the guy's in his 30s now and I think he he shows no sign of stopping either. So I think he's he comes in as a close second place. And then third, there's a tricky one. Third's a tricky one. It could be any of McAllister, Caicedo, Estupinan, Matoma. Um, any, any of them really can get an, a... Uh, a mention there and I don't think I think if you asked fans for their top three all three will be different and you can't really argue with it because the way this team has played this season has been incredible and the way that they they have played themselves as individuals has been incredible and the link up play has been incredible how the Zobie has set them up incredible so it's going to be an interesting one to see what the announcement is going to be. End of season, we've got Europa League to look forward to. But for me, Solly March, Solly March gets it. What about you? 
Yeah, I was trying to, I was umming and ahhing about who to to pick. I think my top three. I think my number one is Caicedo. I just think Brighton. If you and I guess there's sort of different criteria that you could say. So, for example, you might say that Solly March is the most improved player. Uh, you know, he scored eight goals and bagged eight assists in all competitions. Um, but for me, just in terms of a player that is so important, and I think Brighton are not as good, a, nearly as good a team without him. I think Kaiseida, just for the consistency, just for the number of different sort of roles he can play in midfield, also his versatility dropping at right back. I just think he is has been fantastic. I think the next thing, if, if possible, you could add maybe say, I mean, this is quite harsh, but if he can add like a couple more goals into his game, that would just make him, you know, one of the best. Um, so I'd probably just give it to Caicedo. I would, for a while, I was thinking Matoma, but he's then had a bit of uh, the last couple of months. I think I wouldn't say he's been found out, but I think there's there's a number of defenders who've done a decent job on him. Uh, he the goals have sort of dried up a little bit, but there was a stretch between I'd say like before the World Cup to maybe February March time where he was just unplayable. It was a he was fantastic to watch. It was just so exciting. Um, he's the my sort of player with the X factor when when he really gets going. It's just um, it's I really feel for defenders because it must be terrifying. Um, I'd say number two. I think I might join you there. I think Pascal Gross. Uh, you know, I think this is best scoring season in all competitions since he's joined the club. Um, yeah. Ten goals, ten assists in all competitions. He's shown no sign of slowing down. Again, the versatility just does a job. Lots of assists as well. It's just, yeah, he's got so many strings to his bow. And also, you know, we talked about it previously. He was the one who popped up with that goal against um, Southampton just to, to ease the nerves and secure Brighton Europe. Um, so I think, yes, number two is Pascal Gross. Number three, I think, yeah, March is up there. McAllister. I think I'm going to go with Estupinian because... That was a position where Brighton had obviously lost their previous player of the year, Mark Kukurea, um, who was a revelation, brilliant signing for 15 or so million. And you're thinking, oof, God, this is this is going to be, um, you know, big shoes to fill. And he's turned out to be a better player. Um, he is maybe not as versatile, but that's... It. Sorry, I called it as well. I said a Superman would be better than Kukurea. Nice one, um, but he he got seven assists in all competitions this season, which is pretty impressive for a, a left back. Um, got a goal as well. Uh, finally, should have, had a, should have been more against Palace, obviously. Um, but yeah, just in terms of the bar was set very very high, and for him to to come in and raise it even further is massive credit to him. Uh, he's got a lot of talent, just, you know, boundless energy running up and down that touchline. Fantastic to see. Um, so, yeah, I think he would be my number three. But honourable mentions to Solly March. Obviously, Alexa McCaster was a top scorer with 12 goals, but he did score quite a few penalty goals, which 
I'm not trying to, you know, dismiss that, but I think that maybe just adds it to it, pads his stats up a little bit. Um, and then Lewis Dunk as well. So, yes, there, there would be my my top three. There you go. You can't, you can't, again, you can't argue with that. It's different, but like you say, like I said earlier, you can't argue with it because they, they all they all deserve a, a spot in the top three. But it'd be interesting to see what the uh, award ceremony is going to be like at the end of the season. I don't know when that is, actually. They usually... Yeah, usually they do it before the end of the season. So maybe they were just... Um, they didn't want to flirt with it. They didn't want to tempt fate, did they? Yes. it's Yeah, I wonder... Um, because I, I think they... It might be a case of um, they're heading off pretty quick on their holidays. I think they're definitely early. That I, I think, I, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if if the awards were very soon, because they'll be lost for weeks because they'll be off partying or, or whatever. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, unbelievable season, sixth in the league, and yeah, so much excitement. Just hope they can keep on to their best players. Um, one thing to maybe finish on, uh, a little bit of sad news on for, for me, I guess. Um, so I finished my last shift at Sussex Live on Sunday. Uh, the company reached PFC, uh, making um, quite a lot of people redundant, sadly, and me that's me included. So, uh, yes, I'm off to Pastures New. Um, it's been a fantastic you know, nearly three seasons covering this um, brilliant club. Uh, my mum is now a diehard fan, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> despite the fact she had no interest at all in football before. Um, and, you know, going to games, speaking with, um, you know, Roberto De Zerbi and, and uh, getting to know him and others and the media team, it's just been uh, a real treat and I feel very privileged and honoured to have been given this chance um, and I'd love to cover Brighton again um, because they're such a, a great club and um, you know there's so much to write about there's so such such an exciting time so if unfortunately no European tour for me um, but I guess hopefully not goodbye completely and I guess um, depending on what happens uh not quite sure what will happen with the podcast um if you know if i can if we can keep it going i definitely want to because this has been great fun with you dear boy toy um so but yes just want to say a big big thanks to everyone for reading uh all my work and and being so welcoming to me on online and uh yeah hopefully this is not goodbye this is um the first chapter of many uh, gut and gut and I'm gutted to see Richie go. Uh, working with him personally has been great. It's been a privilege over the last season. If anyone is looking for a good sports journalist, I mean, look, guys, he's on a free transfer now. Transfer window's open, and you've got free agents right here. So sign him <laughs> up. Sign him up. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the stuff he's been writing about as well has been great to read. And you know, he came in when there's uh, fair to say. Not many media outlets cover the Brighton week in, week out. The Argus have always done a superb job, but then Richie's coming in as well and has also done an equally grand job too. And, you know, many, many people love reading his stuff. So, Richie, thank you for everything you've done. Gutted to see you go. But, you know, 
you're you're gonna you're gonna bounce back. I know you are, and wherever you go. So, and no doubt you'll be coming back on the teams like Brian podcast in the near future soon. So, but yeah, guys, that's everything we have to go. That's everything now. That's everything now for the season. Can't believe it. It's it's uh it's like as if we only started this yesterday. Um, but now look, we've what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? <laughs> I know, I know. It's weird. There's no European. There's no international tournaments to look forward to either. It's bizarre. But look, guys, thank you so much uh, for listening to us our whole season. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, uh, and everything in between as well. If you're watching YouTube or on your podcasts, uh, wh- wherever that may- that may be, uh, we will be back. We will be back talking about the Albion ahead of the season and uh, when the fixture lists come out and all that jazz. Uh, we might even do a few odd pieces here and there. Who knows? Uh, but look, guys, thank you so much once again. Take care. And as always, up the Albion. <laughs>